Welcome to Vesa Talks podcast. My name is Mario Milanovic, and today I'm super happy to have Rob Morgatroyd on the podcast. Rob is from Queens, New York, dedicated a quarter century to Atlanta's chiropractic world, but a profound remark from his wife, I like you better in Italy, propelled him towards introspection and a life shift to Tuscany, Italy. His upcoming memoir, I like you better in Italy, chronicles this transformation. By not writing his book, he and his wife, Kim, have gained acclaim with their Friday podcast, soaring into the world's top 1% podcast. Recognizing the awareness of overworked entrepreneurs, Rob and Kim curate mastermind experiences, rejuvenation hubs that reignite passion framed by bucket list experiences. Venturing into TikTok, Rob weaves vivid tales inspired by Italians, illustrating the essence of a balanced life. He advocates for seizing life's possibilities underscoring that our only limitations are the ones we accept. All right, Rob Morgatroyd, how are you, buddy? You did it. You made it. You even made my name sound Serbian. <laughs> I, I got I to sound it like your ancestors, man. So, you know. We have to change it to Mergovic. <laughs> you got it. Vich, Vich. It's actually Vich, you know? Oh, Vich, okay. Yeah. So, hey, uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, this is super, super cool. Uh, we've been friends for many, many, many years, and I've seen you... Uh, your journey in life, uh, which uh, started in the U.S. and uh, on, the, on the East Coast, and then it went to the West Coast, and now you're living in Florence, Italy, and uh, there's so much to talk about. Uh, uh, but first of all, you know, I, I, I really admire your courage, and I admire what you have done in your life. And, uh, you know, we don't, we don't get to see each other as much as I'd like to, but, you know, we're only like an hour and 15 minutes apart, so we definitely have to make it a point of uh, seeing each other. I know you're super busy and all that, right? But... You know, uh, before we get into that, you know, tell us a little bit about your, your little story from you being a chiropractor in Atlanta and then, you know, us having lunch in, in San Diego. And I, I remember, you know, I was, I was trying to tell you, no, brother, you got to move out here. You got to do it. Do the push and all this. Right. And, uh, you know, the, the, the whole thing. And, uh, you know, I, I remember being on, on your podcast many, many years ago and now you're like the podcast uh, king. So, uh, yeah, tell, tell our audience a little bit about uh, your background. It's, it's, there's so much to it. You know, you don't have to go into great detail, but the uh, uh, floor is all yours. You know, I'll tell you, I think, uh, I think you're largely responsible for a lot of the frustrations that I've been through in my life uh, because um, I, don't, I don't know if you're aware of this, but where we first met each other, I don't even know if this exists anymore, is something called the small world, if you remember that. And... So it's this sort of like online community, you know, really much before I think, you know, things like TripAdvisor and uh, et cetera, uh, you know, were out there in the world advising people on, you know, where to go when they go to certain locations. And um, we connected there, had a lot of mutual, you know, interests in, you know, trying to like, you know, live life to the fullest. And if we go to, you know, New York or LA or something, try and find, you know, great places. But then, you know, a friendship evolved through that. And I was a chiropractor for 25 years in Atlanta. And you probably, we probably met while I was into my maybe 15th year, somewhere in that range. And, um, you know, all I wanted to do was live in California. And so every break that I had, I just kept coming out to California because I was in Atlanta at the time. And uh, I remember coming out to San Diego to meet you there. And you're like, dude, you know, you got to come out there. And, you know, I come to your place and you're like, you know, the, the waves practically smash you in the face, you know, your home, you live next door to uh, basically uh, 
that guy who just re- retired from Congress now. I can't remember his name. Um, the Heinz, he's he, his, he married the uh, the Heinz Ketchup uh, heiress. Um, you remember him, uh, Mitch, uh, uh, Mitt Romney? Uh, you, you live next, yeah. You live next door to him. Like you were in, you know, this beautiful place. And I'm like, okay, well, this is a goal. I'm going to get out here. And then, uh, you know, uh, through uh, through a series of events, I, I sell the practice. You know, I get tired of hearing my neck hurts, my back hurts, and I move out there. And then next thing I hear is, dude, don't live in California. Live in fucking, live in fucking Europe. <laughs> <laughs> And then, uh, then, then I chased you uh, out to Europe. I got pretty close. I made it to Italy, uh, which is where I am now. And, um, you know, look, the, the story in a nutshell is probably for the last decade of my career. Um, I spent the, oh, I don't know, the first half of it just trying to validate um, my self-worth by um, – making, you know, a million dollars and, you know, Mercedes, a Porsche, a BMW, building a 10,000 square foot, how all the, all the stupid shit that at 30 years old, you're absolutely convinced that once you get those things, you're going to be fucking happy. And, um, none of those things were really making me happier. In fact, they were filling my lives with a lot of, a lot of things that required a lot of energy to maintain and to keep up. And I just wasn't any happier. And, you know, so my wife, uh, we moved to California. We sold the practice because she said, I can't, you know, I can't have you live like this anymore. You've been complaining for 10 years. You, you, you don't like what you're doing. You want to do something else. So let's go to California. So, you know, we go there. And um, before we went to California, I should say, I should back up. She said, well, before we go to California, if we're going to leave Atlanta, we're going to pack everything we have up why don't we at least try living in Italy for a couple of months? I've always wanted to do that. So we came to Florence, which was her favorite. And uh, we spent three months here and I loved it, but I had my, you know, my eyes set on California. We went back to California. And then after a couple of months there, you know, she looked at me one day when I was like rushing from zoom to zoom to zoom. And she said, you know what? I like you better in Italy. And I was like, what the hell is that supposed to mean? And that wound up becoming um, a time of introspection about what that really meant and what was really important to me at that stage of my life. And before you and, talk about Italy, and sorry to cut you off because I know you're going to no, get no, into no. the Italian uh, version of yourself, which is amazing. You know, mm. I, I really want to go back. And you know, I was always fascinated. I remember you telling me the story. It was like a Friday and you wanted to sell or that week you were like, if I don't sell this thing by Monday, I'm just giving the keys away. I don't care. Right. You know, and that story was amazing. So I, I want to hear about that story. And then the next story after that is I want to hear a story about how you became a DJ, man, because that was awesome. I think you were like 40 something and you're like, I'm going to be a DJ. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> that was the best. I love it. Well, they're, they're actually they're actually very closely intertwined with each other. You know, I I would say. For like I mentioned, the last decade of practice, I was starting to lose my my mind. If one more person said their neck or back hurts, I was going to shoot myself. I couldn't take it. And that l- last year, let's call it nine uh, nine miserable years that my wife had to deal with me complaining about it. That last year, we were it was right around Thanksgiving, it was right around November, and she said she came back from yoga, and she said we're, we're selling the practice. And I said, what do you mean? She said, I don't give a shit if we live in a box. 
um, your, your life is too short for you to be doing something that you don't want to be doing, that doesn't light you up, that you're not passionate about. Um, so we're done. And I was like, I've tried to sell this before. And it's very difficult to sell a chiropractic practice because the new kid out of school has almost a million dollars in debt or half a million, let's say, in debt. Um, and, they, and they think they know everything, but they know nothing because they haven't practiced. And then the guy who's been out for 15 years or 10 years that can actually afford it is like, why do I need you? I know what I'm doing. I'll open my own. And so it's like, it, there's like the, the spot is like, it doesn't have value, not to mention the fact that you are the practice. People come to see you. So, so it didn't have a lot of value. You know, it wasn't worth millions of dollars. Um, so I was like, I tried to sell it before. It hasn't worked. She said, I don't give a shit. If we literally just close the door and say gone fishing, then that's what we're going to do. And she made me commit to her that no matter what happens, that December 31st, we were gone. And I knew she meant it. I knew I needed it. And I agreed. And that then gave us a very short window of time from let's call it November to December to sell it. And I did not want to walk away with nothing. I did not want to lower um, my lifestyle. And, but I also wanted to leave. So you get very creative when you know your back is up against the wall. And we, long story short, she said, you know, uh, we have this game that we play, we call it stupid idea time. And no, you know, no, no ideas uh, is considered uh, stupid. And we took out a whiteboard and we rolled it out in the middle of the living room and we wrote, um, sell the chiropractic practice. And we started brainstorming every stupid idea we can come up with that could work. And one of those stupid ideas were to ask the chiropractor across the street from my office um, if he wanted to buy it. And I was like, I don't even think that guy likes me. Like we're, we've been competitors for 10 years. I don't think like, like I get all his patients where people say, you know, he sucks. And, you know, I want to like, I, they, cause they leave him and come to me, but he also gets my patients that the guy suck and left me and went to him. And so we had this weird relationship with each other. We were definitely not friends. So it took a lot of balls and courage to call him and ask him if he wanted to. And I did. And he said, you know, give me a couple of days to think about it. And uh, he called me back in two days and we made a deal to send all my patients over to him. It wasn't, it wasn't millions of dollars, but it was enough money that gave me uh, a, a seed to be able to start this second stage, you know, of my life. So as far as the, the DJ thing, over those 10 years, I was so disenchanted with what I was doing that I was searching to find things that lit me up. Anything that I can find that I felt a pull towards, some magnetic attraction to, I wanted to chase down to learn about and see, is, is this something maybe I'd want to do as a career? Is this something that maybe could lead to something else? I would just, I got really, really good at getting in touch with what was it that was lighting me up. And one of those things were we were in Ibiza and um, I didn't know much about uh, DJing at all. And I was at this place called the Ishwaya. And um, I looked up and, you know, Monday night was Avicii and Tuesday was Tiesto and Wednesday was Swedish House Mafia, blah, blah, blah. And we're sitting there and I'm watching at the time it was Avicii. Um, he's no longer with us, but he was there. And um, I was watching him, 
you know, take one, two, three, four songs and put them on top of each other. And I was fascinated with how he created new melodies, how he was able to move the crowd, how I felt watching him do it. And I love, love, love music, but I can't sing. I can't dance. I can't play an instrument, but I love music. And all I remember was how I felt. And I was like, I don't know where I would ever go with this thing, but I, I, I want to find out what's in it. So I came back and I reached out to a friend of mine who runs a, a nightclub uh, called Opera in Atlanta and in Buckhead. Yeah. And I said, um, I know you think this is crazy, but do you have a DJ that you think could teach me how to DJ? And he goes, Rob, you're 45 years old. Like, what the fuck do you want to be a DJ for? And I was like, he's like, don't do it. I'm like, I just, I, 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 he said, you want to play in clubs? I was like, no, 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 no. I just want to learn how to do it. He's like, for what? And for who? And I was like, for me. And he's like, for you. So we had this giant closet in the place we were living in in Atlanta. It was the size of a bedroom. It was a ridiculously large closet. I don't know why it was this big, but it was, it was huge. So the DJ comes over and he said, well, where do you want to do it? What do you want to do you have a studio? And I said, no, I, I wanted to ask you where you think I should. And I showed him the closet. And he goes, wow, it's a big closet. He said, yeah, you have to soundproof it. And, uh, but yeah. So long story short, soundproof the closet, spent $10,000, bought equipment. And every Friday he came over and he taught me how to mix. And after maybe two months, three months, he said, dude, you're really good. Like you should play in a club. I was like, play in a club, like at night? And he's like, yeah, at night. And I was like, I couldn't even, like, I wouldn't, I like, and then I went, well, fuck it. Like, why not? Like, yeah, why not? He, and he's, and so he said, well, if you, if I find a spot, an opening somewhere, I'll call you. And I said, okay. Calls me two days later. He said, a guy's sick at the Havana club in Atlanta, who, where I also DJ, do you want to go on? And I was like, when he's like Saturday, I'm like Saturday. He's like, yeah, I sat in the closet for nine hours practicing my mix. I didn't, I didn't leave. Kim was down there and it was like, my beat matching was a mess. It was, I was nervous. It was just a disaster. Um, but then, you know, I was like, I literally got up that morning and I went on, I guess, midnight, and all my friends came, all Kim's uh, friends came, friends of friends came, and then the club was completely packed. And, you know, I'm, I'm surrounded by 20-year-olds fist-pumping on ecstasy, you know, and it was the craziest night of my life. And it was like, you know, when it was over at three in the morning, I left and I was like, I've never felt like this. Like I have never, like I couldn't sleep. I was up all night. I felt so alive, so connected. Um, then they asked me back and then I went back and then I wound up getting a residency there and then opera called and then I wound up getting a residency at opera and then I started touring and one thing led to the other and it was now I'm trying to like do chiropractic and then do this on the weekends. And then, then we had a baby. And now I'm a guy that's almost now you know, 46 years old with a newborn who's DJing and the chiropractor. Like it was crazy. 
and then, uh, then you know, I, I knew, I, I knew that it was not going to be something that I was going to do for the rest of my life. That it was a fun period that turned me on to chasing things that um, have an interest that I have an interest in, and trying to understand what that was about. Um, and, uh, that led to, you know, just doing other things from there. That's so incredible, man. I mean, that story, and I know this story, every time you, 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 you'd say it again, for whatever reason, because I keep asking you about it, it just gets better and better. I don't know why, but like, you know, it's just like, you know, and that really shows, uh, your, or yeah, your ability to follow your passion, you know, because how many of us think about all the things we want to do and one day and all this kind of thing, you know, and then. You know, you have to get pushed by something, you know, or someone, you know. So it's like, uh, it, it's it's a because it's such a small percentage of people that actually push themselves over that line, you know. Like whatever it is, it, it can be something small or just moving somewhere or doing something. But you know, to 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 become a DJ at in your forties, I mean, it takes it's it's almost like the way you did it is almost the only way to do it, right? You were just kind of like, you know pushed into it because, well, now I just spent 10 grand on equipment. I might as well do something. And then you have a buddy and then some guy gets sick. But that's the way the universe works, right? It's all, uh, you know, as soon as you set your intention, all of a sudden all these doors open up and then you just have to go through them, right? And going through them can be difficult sometimes, you know? So so now you're, uh, you know, you're a, you're a DJ and everything. And I remember you were like, what am I doing here at four in the morning? And I'm trying to run this, you know, business and, uh, you know, I, I'm constantly tired and, you know, and, and all that. Right. So, uh, how, how long did you do it for three years? Was it? Yeah. Three, four years. And then the next thing I know is you're in, I think Huntington beach, Hermosa beach, California. I saw you with a surfboard. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, Rob, what's this now? And you're like, I, I, I'm surfing now. I'm, I'm a California boy now. Right. It was just like a man. <laughs> so, you know, so, so walk us through that little period, you know, cause that was, that was kind of cool too, because that's when you really started, uh, 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 mentoring and coaching. And I don't know if you started your mastermind at that time, but walk us a little bit through that. Cause you know, that's super. Well, so what I did was after the, after the DJ thing, um, stopped and we had the baby that was, you know, let's say a couple of years before the story I told you about, you know, Kim coming home from yoga saying we're done and me selling the practice. And right after, you know, Italy, um, we did our three months here in Italy. Um, I went to California, but I had spent, you know, the better part of five or 10 years with this California dream. Right. And so, you know, I'm old enough to remember the, the sun kiss commercials, you know, uh, you know, with the girls and the bikinis on the beach and the surfing guys and all of that. And so I had this, this vision in my mind of having this California dream. So it was so clear to me, like I knew it. And literally the day we landed, the day we let, we flew all night from Italy and I made my wife go with me to buy a bicycle and a surfboard the day we landed, because I knew that if I didn't do that right then and there, that I was going to start just a new life and I was not going to live the vision in the way that I wanted it. I, I like to set up parameters in my life that force me to step into what I need to do. So I got the bicycle, I got the surfboard, and I hired the surf instructor all in the same week. And I, I put myself on the line to say every weekend I have a Friday and a Saturday appointment to go surfing. Now, I, you know, 
you, people who, who are listening to this don't know what I look like, but I'm not built to be a surfer. Like I'm built to pick up a refrigerator. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't have that kind of mobility. And by the way, I'm, you know, I'm 57 now, but I was, you know, in my mid fifties then. So I don't have the, the fitness. I don't have the, the, uh, the mobility to do that. And so it became this new, this new life where I literally had to learn how to make my body more mobile, how to swim. I didn't know how to swim, how to, um, stand up. Like I would say the, for the first month, two months, I couldn't even stand on the surfboard. Like I literally would go out there and just get pummeled every week. It was like bitch slapped every week at my face. It was horrible. Um, but I got, I started to get better. And then I started practicing my pop-ups in the backyard and I, you know, started watching, you know, surf, uh, movies and like, you know, watching how they're doing. And I subscribed to like surf magazines and, you know, I started getting into that culture, you know? Um, but what I didn't expect was that the, the vision for the life that I thought I was going to be living there was actually different because it was twofold. There was this surfer life because I was intentional about it and I loved it, but I couldn't exactly hang out with 18 year old kids on the beach. I was relegated to like the old men who were surfing, but they were like, exactly. And, but these were like rich old men that lived in Manhattan beach that were like retired and, you know, and so I just found myself in this world where I always felt like I needed to keep up. I, I felt like, um, you know, I wasn't making enough money because the houses were like $10 million. Um, and, you know, it was like, there was a lot of keeping up with the Kardashians, you know, every, every friend, you know, like had a house in the Hills and every conversation was about, you know, let, let's start a new company. And it was just, it was more, 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 and I just found myself going from this life that I wasn't loving in chiropractic to being in this environment in LA that it was 100% about money. It was about how do I make more money? And I, I just, it was like, God, it's, it's kind of what I think it is. I, yeah, the weather was right. Yes, I got the surfing. And, but I, like the environment, like the community was not lending itself to that stage of my life that was right. exciting me right absolutely yeah you're absolutely right i mean i lived in san diego for 10 years and uh, at some point i looked around and i was like yeah i got the things i got you know the big houses and the nice cars and all that but it felt like although there is a surfing community which i was never part of it, it lacked community it really really lacked it and you know as much as i tried it just wasn't it didn't have that that substance, you know, and that's part of the reason that I also moved to Europe, and I'm sure that you as well. So now, walk us now into into your new new life, because I know you 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 got to Florence, you got your dream apartment with this gigantic uh, patio overlooking uh, the uh, what is it called again? The the the, the, the little church, the, or... the, du the Duomo. Duomo, yeah, that's right, the Duomo. Yeah, I remember actually when I used to go backpacking with a buddy of mine, we were sitting there having the gelato and literally just sitting on the sidewalk. And man, our life was amazing. You know, it's like, woo, so cool, right? Yeah, it's, inc it's incredible. You know, I, we were, 
we were in LA and we were watching when we were kind of like, you know, at this, I like you better in Italy, you know, point in our life, we were watching Stanley Tucci on uh, CNN and he was doing an episode in Florence and he said, uh, my parents moved, my, my dad was a high school teacher and, uh, he took a one year sabbatical in Florence when I was, uh, 12 years old and it changed the entire course of my life. And, you know, we paused it because we both got chills because we knew that this was coming. And it was like the sign from the universe that in that moment, the way he said it, the way we were feeling, the way the stars were lined up, we knew that that was like some message to us. And so I paused it and I looked at her and I was like, what are we doing? Let's just fucking do it. And she said, really move to Italy. And I said, yeah. And that was it. That's all she needed to hear. And, um, she, uh, it, it, dude, it was so crazy how things happen. We had, we had three things we had to solve. One was we had to get, uh, Sophia, our daughter into school. Uh, and the school we wanted her to go in was the international school of Florence, um, which has a waiting list and it's really difficult to get into because it's small. It's a, it's a villa in the Hills of, um, let's call it like Chianti, like in that area. Um, and it's, it's spectacular. It's beautiful. Two was I had just signed a two year lease cause we didn't buy, we leased a place in Hermosa beach. Um, that was 5,000 bucks a month and we had a year and a half left on it. So I was like, I'm gonna have to pay this thing out, which I didn't want to do. Um, and then three was I had to get a visa and like, how do I do all of these things? And the school year was coming. So I was like, Kim, you know, maybe we'll just do this in a couple of years. And she's like, no, 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 let's set our intention that this is what we want and let's just make it happen. So we apply um, with the, we call the attorney and we say, look, we need a visa. Can you help us? And he's like, yeah. I was like, how long will it take? He said, three months, six months. It depends. You got a lot of things you got to do. So, um, you know, we were in LA, we had to go get an appointment at the consulate and he calls me and he says, I got you an appointment, uh, in two weeks. And I went, how'd you do that? He goes, an opening just came open. He said, it like, this is months backed up. And I was like, okay, cool. So I go there, we fill out all the paperwork. I get there and the lady says, okay, I need your passport. And I said to just take a picture of it or a photocopy of it. She said, no, 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 I, I need to keep it. I said, for how long? She said, a month, maybe two months. I said, oh, no, no, I'm going to Mykonos next week. And she's like, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. You have to leave your passport. And I was like, well, can I come pick it up in a week? She's like, you could pick it up in a week, but I need it for as long as it takes me to do the research to approve your visa. So I said, okay, what if I just give it to you and I call you in six days, which is when my flight is. And if you don't have it, then I'll just pick it up and, we'll, and I'll, I'll reapply. Can I do that? And she's like, you could do it, but you're not going to get a visa in six days. So I was like, okay, call her back six days later. And I said, can I come pick up my passport? She said, would you also like to pick up your visa? And I said, I said, you did it. She goes, I did it. And I went, unbelievable. Okay, that's number one. Number two, that week we get an email from the school An opening just popped up. If you want it, you got to say yes. I went, this is unbelievable. Okay. Number three, I meet with the landlord because I know I'm going to take it in the ass on this. And I said, look, I'm really sorry. My daughter got accepted to the school. This is something we want to do. Just tell me, like, can we negotiate something here? And he goes, 
no, I'm not going to stand in the way of this. And I said, what do you, what does that mean? He said, I would never stand in the way of something that is this life-changing. He said, tear up the contract. Don't worry about it. And I went, tear it up. He said, tear it up. Don't worry about it. So it was like, boom, boom, boom. It was, it was like one of those meant to be. Next thing I knew, we were like literally living in Florence and like she was enrolled in school and like, incredible, boom. Wow. It's crazy. I mean, this is mind blowing, right? And it, again, it goes back to the whole, like I get shivers and a little bit, you know, emotional about it. It's like when you really want to do something, <laughs> man, the universe really steps up, doesn't it? And then how much, and then how, right. Yep. 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 Totally. And it's, it's, it's amazing because you know, I mean, you know, we've been listening to Esther Hicks and to uh, Power of Attraction, Power of, you know, of the of intention and all these things, you know. And, you know, in, in some ways, like I know I used to do 15-year goals and, and, and 10 years and five and all this. And I remember even my first uh, real book that I read about this, this type of stuff was, you know, Tony Robbins, Awaken the Giant Within. And, you know, you do the exercises and everything, right? And I remember he said, write down your goals so incredibly crazy that if you were to show it to somebody like one of your buddies that they would think you've literally lost your mind right mm -hmm. you know and i remember doing that and it was like so out of my was like my god this doesn't even make sense at the point fast forward 15 that was less than that 12 years and i was moving in san diego somewhere and i remember i saw the book i picked up the book and out falls this little you know uh, a piece of paper that I, I had written these goals on and I looked at it and man, I surpassed them by like 10 X. And I was like, Oh my God. I remember, I remember showing it to, to my wife at the time. And I was like, look at this. This is, this is voodoo, man. This is voodoo. So then it's, it's kind of like, why, why am I not doing this all the time? And for some reason, you know, you kind of get involved with life and different things and you forget about it and all this, right? But it feels like it almost has to be a, a, a weekly kind of um, exercise in a way to just kind of follow up on all the, all the things that you kind of write down. And they don't have to be materialistic at all. It's basically, how, how do I, what, what does my like, life look like in five years and 10 years, you know? And then like you said, and then you look at your feeling and then you, you know, there's this whole, you know, envision of what it looks like but it's more than that you're right it is about feeling how do i feel being in this environment right and you can literally create your life whichever way you want to down to the like nitty gritty and it's so crazy and, and everybody talks about it and it, it feels like very few people do that and i think you're one of those people that does it and i'm like you know in awe of that because i i, I see your stories man and and, and tick tock and everything and it's like bro is living his life like literally, like, you know, like here's this American guy. I used to make fun of you, right? You, get, you got there. You didn't really know how to dress like Italians do. I mean, shit, who does, right? Italy. It, who you does? Know, I, I always said Italians know how to live. They know how to eat. They know how to drink and they know how to dress and act properly. You know, majority, I'm being generalized, but you know, they yeah. really have the best lifestyle there is in this world. And it's, it's their culture and it goes back, I don't know how many years. 
and no wonder you know all the you know the Gucci's and the Armani's and everything comes out of there you know and it's you can see it in the in in the in the kids the way they communicate and and the quality of the food everything right it's so opposite of what the United States is you know so 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 walk us into like you know <laughs> uh, the American it sounds like a movie right the American that became a of a, a Florentine you know <laughs> kind of it's kind of what it is you know to your point though um, if you'll allow me to read something I wrote it might take me a minute um, I think your your listeners would get something out of it sure because what you're describing in the Esther Hicks sort of worlds um, is you know getting very very clear not just crystal clear in what you want, but getting so lost in this world that you want next for your life. You know, I wrote down probably about once we started thinking about making this move, I wrote this down. And this was a year before we moved to Italy. We live in a magnificent palazzo in Florence that mixes old world charm with state-of-the-art amenities. Our expansive outdoor terrace has sweeping scenes of the city and the nearby rolling hills of Tuscany, giving us a bird's eye picture of what we came there for. My day begins at 6 a.m. in our home office with a view, meditating, journaling, reading, and preparing myself for a great day ahead. At 7 a.m., the ringing church bells signal that Sophia is on her way in to see me. Mommy transfers the football to me to help me make breakfast so she can do her meditation. Sophia finds her way into her, inter into her International School of Florence uniform, and as a family, we head to the bus stop. Along our walk, we chit-chat with Sophia about life, and we stay connected to her. We see her onto the bus, and we watch as it points herself towards her day of education in the magnificent villa in the hills of Tuscany. Kim and I stroll to Chibreo for our morning coffee, taking in the sights, sounds, and vibe of Florence waking up. And as the cappuccini disappears, leaving behind only its traces, we head home to work on projects that excite us. As the morning dissolves into the afternoon, we head for our energy-shifting workouts to recenter ourselves to give Sophia our total attention. Our nights are filled with aperitivo hours, evening passeggiatas, and dinners made from passion. And on the weekend, we explore Tuscany's food, wine, and truffle festivals in the beautiful surrounding countryside. That, that is literally literally 100% like it's not, this is the first time I've ever done this where I wrote a vision where it's not like 30%. It's a hundred percent of the life that I have now. None of these things were in place. The terrace wasn't in place. International school of Florence wasn't in place. Our visa wasn't in place. None of this, none of this. So, you know, that didn't just come out of me that it was like every morning, you know, to use another Esterism, it was like she, you know, she talks about going high first, right? Like, like high level, like, uh, you know, I see the cobblestone streets, I see Italy, and that's kind of all you have. It's not the conversation of the visa. It's too, it's too low. It's too granular, too specific. But you, but, but once you get clear, then you can go lower, Mm-hmm.
Yeah, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It's crazy stuff. So um, I recognized, you know, part of part of being a chiropractor that was disenchanted with his career. I recognize what that that solopreneur grinds feels like and how lonely that can be um, doing it, you know, yourself. And I also recognize that if you don't take time off to sharpen the saw, reignite your passion expose yourself to other things, um, your innovation tends to get flat. So I came up with this idea. What if I were to take a small group of people and create like a bucket list experience of something that would, you know, force them off of their phones and force them into an experience with each other that excited them? You know, for example, I used to go to these chiropractic um, seminars and events over the weekend, and the magic really was not sitting, listening to some paid speaker in the conference room. It was at the bar talking to a fellow chiropractor. It was in the pool, having a martini with a friend. That's where the magic was, right? And so I thought, what if I made an experience that was all of that, and it was none of the speaker things? And so... Uh, you know, I did it locally at first and we started in Boston. And to your point, I went crazy. And I was like, what if I got Tom Brady's trainer to train us on how to, you know, how he trains Tom Brady? And then what if I got, and, you know, we started like just dreaming this crazy thing. And um, we wound up doing just that. And we hired Tom Brady's, actually, he, I didn't even pay him. He did it for free because he was excited. Uh, his name's Alex Guerrera, and he shut down TB12 for us in Boston. And he trained us how he trains all day, trains us, you know, how to do it. Um, and then, you know, from there it grew to, I was like, okay, well, what if we did one in Monaco? And what if we, you know, had them fly into Nice and then took a helicopter like James Bonds into Monaco? And then, you know, then we did, you know, from Monaco, we went, um, I rent, they woke up in the morning and I had these vintage cars waiting for them. It was 1970s Rolls Royces and old Ferraris and every car was different. And I did, that's the one that you want, I wanted you to speak at. Yep. And, um, then they woke up and we went through the, through Monaco. We went up to uh, a castle in Ez and we did a, a goal setting session, you know, kind of like what you and I are chatting about now. Um, and then the next morning they woke up and I had speedboats that were waiting for them. And I took them to Saint-Tropez for the day. Um, so, you know, we do all these, all these different, you know, experiences. And I do now I'm down to doing one of those. And we started this year um, for people that did not want to collaborate um, in a business setting, um, but just wanted to experience Florence because they watch our stories. They know we live here. They know that we do events. They're like, well, why don't you just do something in Florence? So we did it as a test last week and we did a five-day event uh, and we brought um, a, a small group uh, through it. And we got them like, you know, for example, um, we've got the guy who opens up the Duomo in the morning. Uh, so 
so anyway, they, they get outside. We meet them outside the Duomo at 6.30 in the morning. And I've got this opera singer that they don't know is there that's waiting for them. And they're looking. They're like, there's nobody around but just them and this opera singer. But they, she's just this woman. All of a sudden, she starts singing. And they're crying because they know it's for them. And it was so emotional. And then this guy walks up with this giant key ring. Like, I mean, it was like three feet. It was this huge key ring with three giant key, keys on it. And he walks up to the Duomo and in three locks, unlocks the doors. And we're walking inside the Duomo, pitch black. And you can only see the light through the, um, through the, the, uh, the windows, uh, the moonlight, and turns the lights on one by one. And we're in this church by ourselves looking at the frescoes. Um, that was incredible. So we did kind of like what we did with Masterminds, like in terms of the level of detail and experiences like bucket listy um, for the Florence event. Um, and uh, so we decided to do another one. We're actually doing a webinar this Saturday on it. Um, and um, our next mastermind is going to be in Sicily. And so uh, I've not done one in Sicily, so we're going to do that next. Yeah, so cool. that's how that's that's how that started. That's incredible. So uh, tell our viewers how you know. Are you still accepting? I imagine it's an application process. Yeah, it is. Um, for, well, the, for the two events, for the mastermind, it's only an application. Because you have to find somebody like I can't put somebody who, if I could just be honest, I can't put somebody that's making 50,000 a year with somebody that's making 5 million a year. They don't, they don't have value where from a business standpoint, they don't have value to help each other to grow. They have to be on par. So I have to do an application. Um, for the other one, there's no application. You just come to, you come, uh, register for the Florence trip and we take you on a ride for five days. Um, so I'll, um, the, uh, the, uh, the, the platinum mastermind, which is the one in Sicily, that's 40,000 for a couple. Um, and the one in Italy is 11,000. Right. Amazing. So, yeah, I mean, the value that you're getting out of these experiences, it's just incredible. And I've been, been a big proponent of masterminds. I remember I used to be part of Perry Marshall's mastermind and the, yeah, yeah. And, uh, one of the smartest dudes i've ever met in my life but again like you said it's it's not you don't come there to listen to him he doesn't even say anything you know it was literally you know you got the hot seat for an hour or two and i remember this was the early days of me going online looking to my left and and this this dude is like you know selling t-shirts and he's like yeah I, I, you know, I, I like to go fishing down in, in Florida and, uh, you know, I, I only work three days a week and then I like to go fishing and it's like, how much are you making? Like, like 40, 45,000 a month. But, you know, I just like to go fishing and I'm just like, you're selling t-shirts. This was like, you know, 15, 20 years ago. You're selling t-shirts, you're making 45 grand a month and you don't even like doing that. Like it was crazy. And then I looked to the, to the other side and it was this couple that wrote a book on babies or some, some baby disease or something. I can't even remember. It was so ridiculous. And they were making, you know, 20 grand a month. And I'm like, who are these people? Where are they coming from? You know what I mean? Like these, you don't, there's no way in nowhere in the world that somebody is going to come up to you and say, Hey, this is what I do for a living. Right. And so you, you're in these environments where you realize that there is so many ways to uh, make money and, you know, especially online that it just blows my mind. And it was such a great enlightening experience. And, you know, if you can surround yourself with <clears throat> those type of people all the time, 
your mind just goes into a different dimension, right? And you just never know what's going to happen, right? You don't, you know, you meet a guy, you talk about this and everything. So it opens up doors and not only business doors, also friendship doors. And, uh, and, and, and it's just amazing. It's really, really inspirational. Yeah, I think I think not only that, I think when you are coming together with a, a group of other people who have the same intention to help each other and to share information, like if you met the fishing guy at a party, you know, he would tell you, I, I like to fish. And that's kind of where where it would end. Do you know what I mean? But when you're at a mastermind, you're, you're looking, you're like, well, hold on. I know how much it costs to be in this masterminds. And I know you're doing something more than fishing. So so when you get on that hot seat, I want to hear what the hell you're doing. That's a lot. So there's, it's contextual. Totally. Yeah. Amazing. So one of the, one of the things I, I, I heard you uh, talk about kind of in a, in a background <clears throat> in this podcast, and that is, you know, Kim. And I want to talk to you about the importance of having a person in your life that pushes you. Mm. You know, you know, look, um, my wife, she's the only one in my life who calls me on my bullshit. Um, she's the only one in my life who, you know, it gets me emotional to think about her because she, I, I would not have anything that I have in my life right now without her clarity on what she knows that it is that I need. And when you have someone in your life that sees you, you know, perhaps on the outside looking and going like, what are you complaining about as a chiropractor? You're, you're making a million bucks a year. You're working two, three days a week. And are you know, we just had a new baby. Um, like, you know, she could have easily looked at that time in her life as get over yourself, go to work. We need yeah. this. Yeah. But instead, she was willing to unravel her entire life economically to make me happy. And when you have someone that has your best interest constantly, that is always looking to support you to help you grow, all it does is make you want to do that for the other person too. That's you know, right. like we had this, we had this conversation yesterday and you know, she said, she said, you know what I really want to do next? And I was like, what? She's like, I know this sounds crazy, but I really want to be a homemaker. And I want a homemaker. And she goes, yeah, I would really just love to be home for a while, not focusing on another project. Um, Sophia, you know, will be, you know, in a couple of years, she'll be 11. And I just, like, I want to be here, like, you know, when she comes home with the other friends, I want to make, you know, I want to take cooking classes. I want to learn Italian. I want to make, you know, great dinners for you guys. And I just, like, I want to shop in the markets. And, like, I just want to do that. And I was like, well, let's fucking find a way. Because when you have somebody who's doing that for you, yep. all you want to do is do that for them. That's right. And so that that mutual thing Yep. It's so important. Well, it makes you want to be a better person, right? Yeah. And, and that's, you know, like a really strong statement. And, you know, uh, and as men, I think that especially now I look at, call it the Western culture, it's gone, you know, upside down world. And I think that a lot of uh, women don't realize that by helping their man, 
become a better person, the man will want her to become a better person. It goes into this positive spiral rather than trying to compete, you know, and then when you have that, then you have the friction and then things don't work out as well, right? So it's like, it's it's a really interesting uh, yin and yang, so to speak, right? You know, the, the, the feminine and, and the masculine, right? And one enables the other. You can't live if, without the other. Uh, in, 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 in a very kind of productive way, I suppose, right? Because there's always going to be something missing, right? And so listening to you talk about your journey, knowing Kim and knowing how much she contributed is like inspiring. It, it is because I, 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 like I said earlier, I could not have imagined doing this. And, you know, I'm in the process now of writing a book, right? And the book is called I Like You Better in Italy. And it's, uh, <laughs> awesome. it's about, you know, like it's it's about one of the chapters in there is specifically what we're talking about here. It's like when you have someone in your life that is so vested in calling you on your shit, supporting your dreams and helping you to get clear to live a life that perhaps you were maybe called to live or to live closer to that vision of what she sees in you. It just inspires you to and, and and more than inspiration, it gives you um, it gives you a, a a comfort level to be yourself. Like uh, you know, like another example is she could have said to me, like, really, you're going to be a DJ and you're going to be <laughs> out with twenty year olds at forty five years old while That's I'm right. home with a baby, and yeah. you're going to be you're going to be partying in clubs with kids on ecstasy. She never one time, not one time. In fact, I remember a night I'm in the DJ booth and all these girls, which this is a whole other conversation. (laughs) Like I don't have women that just want to kiss me wherever I am, but put me in the DJ booth, put anybody in the DJ booth. (laughs) They want to be, they want to be closest to that guy who is, you know, who's the king of the, who's the king of that room. They want to align with that. So you used to have these girls that just want to come into the DJ booth. And I remember she was at one of the, one of my gigs and I looked at her, I was like, come in here. And she's like, Nope, this is what what you wanted. You fucking deal with it. (laughs) That's awesome. I love it. I love it. (laughs) No, that's really cool, man. Like I'm, I'm, I'm totally in awe of what you've created, especially because I've known you for so long and, and seeing your journey. And, uh, it's just, it's just so inspiring, man. Like, like it, I hope our viewers get inspired as much as I do. Um, two more questions. Um, first one is what's your most favorite thing about living in Florence? Community, community. Um, there's something I never really fully understood how important having a community is. I thought like when I was in LA or Atlanta, whatever, I, I had friends, you know, But when I have a community of people and I'm talking like layers of community, like when I walk outside and the, and the, you know, the fish guy is like, ciao, Roberto, come stai. You know what I mean? Like that kind of community. Or when we walk the dog, the, the dog lady who sits, you know, feeding, she's got a bag of treats and she feeds the dogs and we chit chat with her and all the dogs come to my friends that, you know, uh, say, Hey, can we meet for coffee? And, you know, I understand that they mean like now, like in 10 minutes, it's not where I have to open my calendar and go, I can do it on the 13th community is so important because it makes you feel a part of something bigger. So I would say community. That's so true because I know that when I 
moved to Eastern Europe th four years ago, I felt the same way. I mean, I literally know thousands of people in North America, but actually getting together for a coffee was like, yeah, you know, in three weeks at 3.15 p.m. And I was just like, man, this is not how it works, you know? And then I started coming to, to you know, to Eastern Europe and I was like inundated by coffee requests. And I was like, this is insanity. I mean, it's there's, crazy. There's, there's times that I literally go from coffee shop to coffee shop to coffee <laughs> shop. To co it's, it's absolutely insanity. I'm like, I can't drink any more coffee, but you know, and, but, but you know, you want to, you want to see your buddies and then they bring some different people and it's like, man, when am I actually going to work? You know? And like, isn't anybody working in this place? You know, and it's just, you know, and again, it speaks to, uh, you know, the, 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 the joy of life and being able to, uh, you know, actually enjoy your life right rather than like you said you know chasing the dollar chasing the yeah. euro chasing whatever you know it's, yeah. it's just not worth it especially when you're getting a little bit older you realize that and you know i think that most people realize this but i think they probably do on their deathbed and i didn't want to do it on my deathbed right so I, you know it's it's so amazing that community aspect is so important it's, you cannot buy it there's no money in the world that can buy that community right and it's nope. so easy to create like it really is, you know, it's like, it's amazing. So yeah, super happy about that answer. I love it. Um, and last question is, I always ask this one is like, if you were in my shoes and you would ask yourself a question that I didn't ask, what would that be? I would say, um, what does it feel like to... What does it feel like to step into new big goals at this age in your life that you've never done before and you are starting as a beginner with? Love it. And the answer to that is I have a dream right now of writing a book, which I never had before, mm -hmm. but it just hit me with this whole thing that we've been talking about, about I like you better in Italy. And I also have a dream of turning it into a movie, Amazing. like an under the Tuscan sun kind of thing. You know, it's all I could think about as you were speaking, really. And so in the process of doing this, I am seeing it clearer and clearer, but there is the monkey minds that comes in and says, you've never written a book before. Yep. You've never directed a movie before. Right. Are you, you're almost, you're pushing 60 years old and there's the fighting. It's like, you know, my right, uh, my right shoulder, I got the devil going, you That's know, right. you're a loser. You're a fucking idiot. And my yep. left shoulder yelling at the devil going, fuck you. Yes, you can shut up. And so that I would say is the, 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 the challenge that I'm every day, I get a little bit better on overcoming. Amazing. 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 I, I just love it. That's really cool. Well, Rob, you know, I, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. I love talking to you. I think we need it was fun. to see each other a heck of a lot more because we have a lot in common and uh, hopefully I'll, I'll shoot over to uh, Florence here in the next uh, month or two. Or I'll come your way, one of the Absolutely. other. Absolutely, yeah. You have never been here. I've been to Florence many, many yeah. times. So, yeah, cool, man. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. My pleasure.